the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC on ESPN 18 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Welcome to the land where it just don't stop. Trunks pop, tops drops, in the front end hot. Paint flops, screens on, that can bed in the song. Yeah, it's on, ride on, ballin' at my home. Texas place don't hate, showing up in the state. Can't wait, get it straight while the front end break. Pay the cost, be the boss, looking good when I float. Sunshine, let it die, turn it up and climb. Roll around, hit your block, trunk going on now. Let it up, let it pop, light up the whole block. Southside, how we hold on a gangster stroke. Music hitting so hard, knocking outside mode. Hit the highway, cruise control, gon' let it roll. Pull up a drink, fired up and show the windows close. On chrome, high side, throwing up the south side. Give it in, cause they are coming down, wrecking the slag. What is up, my friends? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is where you can find over at MMA Junkie, as well as linemovement.com. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do today tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it is before the fight because I'm recording this Thursday night. Happy Thanksgiving to y'all as my usual uh, Thanksgiving ritual to break down the fight card from top to bottom as Fat Pat Tops Drop plays in the background. Thank you for that. You can download that on Apple Podcasts and, uh, well, I was going to say iTunes, but it's Apple Podcasts where you can as well, I guess I should say and. Give a rating review to this podcast while you're over there. Five-star rating and reviews. It's free. It's the giving season. Or if you're on YouTube, give the video a like and subscribe. Daniel Tom MMA. Sorry to drown you guys and keep hitting those plugs, but the channel's got to grow somehow. And uh, speaking of Thanksgiving, hope you're well. Uh, check the timestamps again for when the breakdown starts from top to bottom. Or if you want to listen even less to me, I believe me, I don't blame you. Go to the very end where I recap my picks and plays. But uh, yeah, Thanksgiving. Not uh, the, the biggest fan uh, in any year, much less this year. So uh, I feel y'all there. I feel bad. It's like I'm not a Thanksgiving person, uh, as I'm sure some of y'all heard maybe why on, on, on that revealing podcast I did about myself. Uh, not on this show. Um, you know, about house hopping as a kid and, and having kind of a... Not, not, not the greatest parts of your childhood. Um, so... You know, I'm not going to project that onto y'all, but to be honest, I'm not about the imperialistic stuff either, or the food kind of sucks, to be honest. Um, that being said, even though I'm fucking Grinch and contrarian Dan Tom, you know, especially with the picks last week and this week, right? I don't want to rain on the parade of other people, and I, I feel bad for other people who really enjoy it. Like, because like, Americans love them from Thanksgiving. It's so fucking weird, folks. Like, you know, we're. I mean, we are a fat country, but, like, we're a selfish country, so you think, like, Christmas or whatever, being, but, like, do people are, like, Thanksgiving, football, you know. You see how, like, it's a goddamn religion over here. Um, but I, I can't relate to those things and subsequently pay the price. That being said, even though people are going to crucify me for that amongst many things, because, you know, we don't have enough divisiveness in this country or the world right now, uh, I can find middle ground. I can find sympathy and empathy in my heart. Uh, as I am grateful every day, and I didn't need the pandemic this year to be reminded of it. Um, but uh, but yeah, man, I got to see, of course, got to hang out with my mom, even my stepdad a bit. Didn't get to see much of anyone else in the family. There's just too much people, and we're trying to keep those numbers down. Um, and uh, we just got some Hawaiian food, man, some kalbi and some, some good eats, brah. 
um, watch some movies. Uh, that was nice. Hopefully, y'all got to spend some time with family um, and uh, appreciate the more important things. You know, it's just like all, all these people complaining about Thanksgiving or blaming the governors or just all-out anti-maskers or whatever. I'm not going to get into that here, folks, but like. I just hope y'all who, because a lot of those same people are the ones, you know, saying, oh, we can't go into a lockdown. What's it going to do to mental health? What's it going to do? I hope y'all are, are, are reaching out to your friends and family. I hope you really are waving that flag and whatnot. Uh, helping the elderly. Um, I actually tried uh, partially using a portal part of this podcast. You guys could have felt good about it. I actually tried to get two heaters for this um, old folks home that's right down the street from here. But they actually like turned it down. It's really weird. Like they, they they thought I was like I don't know not that they thought, but like like put it this way, like it was just an an offer to get like little smoke heaters because they just have like one smoking area where all the old people have to freeze their asses off. And like <laughs> guys like my stepdad who probably shouldn't be smoking, but he's a war veteran. What the fuck he, he was gonna tell him what to do? Uh we'll wheel those oxygen people like will wheel their oxygen tanks and shit and it's like freezing. So I'm like, can we get the, can I get these people a heater? And the fuckers like they look at me. Like, I'm like Marty Bird from Ozark and shit. Like, I'm trying to launder money through their facility. I'm like, they're fucking a couple hundred dollar heaters. Like, you see at the restaurant, folks. Like, oh, it's a fire hazard. And yeah, we don't know about that. Like, oh, but you guys are okay with letting old, you know, old people freeze. So, it's fucked up. Anyways, just do what you can, folks, okay? Whether it's for your family members, old people, um, because I feel like regardless of what side you are on the pandemics, governments and lockdowns, I feel like that's the message that's been touting, touted, but not really followed up on. And it's kind of important considering we're all human beings at the end of the day. So be good to one another, love one another, be kind. And, uh, yeah, be grateful every day, not just some dumb imperialistic holiday. Like let's, let's do this. So I'm grateful you guys are here. I'm grateful for y'all. Uh, as we're going to get to, and again, with the uh, aforementioned things, I, this is kind of, I, I took a couple tries at recording this, so sorry if I'm referencing things that aren't there. Just want to quickly, <laughs> quickly plug, since it is Thanksgiving and what follows Black Friday, I hate the salesmanship, yes, 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 yes. Of course, MixedMarshallAnalyst.com, folks, which we're going to be switching up some hosting, perhaps doing some anchor, getting you guys to have some questions in here, make you more part of the show, less of me, get the questions, and make sure the fights that don't get skipped don't get skipped. Although, you can, of course, donate to the PayPal to make sure that happens. You know my DMs, my answers, whether it's on the podcast, on, off-air, official. Those of you who've been donating, we keep in close contact, and uh, I appreciate y'all. That being said, at Dan Tom MMA, you don't need to pay anything. God forbid, I've had people reach out for many things, including mental health stuff, and I'm always happy to talk. I'm just talking about for the show and uh, keeping this uh, here program free because I, I do do that. I, uh, not a lot of places do their homework for episodes for you guys each week, uh, consistent each week, much less are free each week. I check all those boxes. Am I crazy? Yeah. Am I go uh, a little off to the left, a little off to the right? Yeah. Maybe it's a little hard to follow sometimes. Okay, maybe, but... Ain't nobody else out here offering you timestamps, and uh, maybe if they are, they're not recapping their picks and plays and consistently coming back at you for free. So if you want to show your appreciation, go to MixedMarshallAnalyst.com. You don't have to click on the PayPal. You can do free methods like do your it or Amazon shopping. I don't like helping the Bezos Army, but why don't you ease your conscience by helping the Dan Tom Army, the Protect Your Neck Podcast Army, the Army of Husamal Paul Harris's. That's right. We're on the same team. 
<laughs> Pretty much, you know. Either way, ease your conscience and help me out there. Uh, do a little click-throughs at no extra cost of your sale or whatever your original shopping intentions were. A little bit gets kicked back to this here program. Or just go ahead and give it a share at the PYM Podcast. I'll retweet you. I'll reshare you on the Instagram. It's at the PYM Podcast at the PYN Podcast on all social platforms. I won't pollute your feed, but it does help a lot, folks. Just hitting those likes, those subscribes, the shares, the word of mouth. It's free. It's very, very helpful. I'd appreciate it uh, as we push on here. Um, so when you're doing your Black Friday shopping, please use the click-through. Please let me know you did. I will give you some love. I will give you a shout. And I will also make sure your stuff is getting tracked because I want to make sure it is, okay? You're getting credit for it. So, again, click-throughs at MixedMarshallAnalyst.com. The host, as for right now, of this year podcast. But we are doing some producing behind the scenes. Are finally getting on those platforms, even if it means me paying people to help, which <laughs> I may or may not be doing. So, more to come, more free things to come, more content to come, more top fives being booked I got Jordan Killian coming on for the top five. I feel like we've been teasing for years. A little bit of top five Japanese fighters. We'll get that booked amongst many more. We'll be integrating them into the normal show weeks because we're kind of at the mercy of the UFC, right? It's going to break on 1216. We'll be back, or 1219. We'll be back on 116, I should say. But if you look, the UFC schedule is just a go until about April. So. Although on weeks like this, it can feel like some ultimate filler content, we will be filling your content with some. Uh, ultimately some good stuff, I hope, and less of me because more co-hosts. So that's good news, right? All right, on with the show. We're going to quickly recap UFC 255. I will try not to get hung up on the main event <laughs> and my uh, my hatred for bandwagon uh, fans and uh, how I feel like they have formed an MMA. Uh, well, they have always been here, but just kind of thinking out loud. Of course, we went 8-4 and four in picks overall, which seems like a norm. 1-1 one and one in straight plays. Uh, oh, it was a wash in parlay pieces. 1-1 one one in props. Dice to get a Davis and Figueredo. Um, I, I was hoping I was wrong. Not just to feather my, my, my fall, but but honestly, for matchups, although we didn't quite get the matchup we were expected to. We'll get to that in a second. He defeated Alex Perez via guillotine choke round one. And, unfortunately, whether you were picking Perez like me and Aaron Bronstetter, or you're a Figueredo guy... Uh, like my dude over there, Shuram, on the fight site and was picking Figueredo smartly. Um, we were all in agreement that if he does win, he's going to look like a minus 1,000. And that's going to suck, A, if you're like me and pick Perez because then uh, everyone from random random trolls to listeners that I do love and have love for are up in your mentions giving you shit because, you know, everybody loves to flex when it comes to, like, the best fighters in the world or the best franchises, right? Especially people who have nothing to do with said wins, but they're also the people who not only flex, but they'll probably use words like, oh, we won tonight. Like, what? what, what is this we shit? What did you do? Did you even play ball in school? Oh, God, I hate that. And there's a lot of people I love and respect and call my friends who do that. So I don't want to say it's not a judgment because it is. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not hating on you, though. I get it. Um, it's just I'm super contrarian. What do you want from me? Contrarian Dan Tom, right? Uh, and unfortunately, that fell in here, although I felt like I had um, some decent facts as far as why I ventured a shot on the underdog. Although I told no one to follow me off that cliff, but I did go off it, baby. Um, not hard, thankfully. Um but unfortunately, Perez kind of fought to his type, even though he arguably did show the things. He showed the process. Uh, but unfortunately, it was process versus opportunism. That's not my blind spot because I called it more than most. 
uh, as far as the analysis goes, not the pick, of course. I was dead wrong. But uh, as I said, you know, the opportunism wins. It That's what tends to own me the most. You know, a guy does everything super technical to win the round, and then the guy goes, athletic move, and then wins the round, or in this case, wins the fight. So uh, good on you. Good on Figueredo. I'm happy for the big picture. Perez will be back if you're a fan of him. Don't worry too much there um, for Perez fans. Um and again, folks, believe it or not, I am a Figueredo fan. And, like, believe it or not, I'm a fan of, like, franchises like the Los Angeles Lakers. What annoys me is that, like, all the bandwagon people who don't know, like, the Elgin Campbell and fucking Nick Van Exel for three, Vladdy Divac's John Reno-looking ass. Like, they don't know that L.A. Lakers team, but all the fucking bandwaggers post-Tim Donahue, mob-bought-out Shaq's piece-of-shit-ass uh, Shaquille O'Neal, there's plenty of Shaqs I like, so I want to clarify that. Like, they're all about that team, though, right? And I got, of course, obviously, I got love for Kobe. Uh, respect for him. I always had respect for him. Um, but, like, you know, and, and again, I got friends that are, like, you know, like, Goes and George, like, legit, like, real L.A. Lakers, like, from L.A. fans. Like, I have respect for those people. I, myself, am a Figueredo fan. This is why I'm upset, folks, is because all the, the the bandwagoners or just people bringing that bandwagon bullshit and energy come. And not only does it ruin it for contrarians like me, like one of my favorite N-Sign albums, Hardcore Band from Indecision Records, has a picture of a guy smashing a kid with a bass guitar and it says, love the music, hate the kids, or hate the fans. And, like, that is so me, you know? Like, I'd be in line for, like, old school AFI shows and I'd be like, I, I used to really be really into that band. And every motherfucker in line was just talking about how they're a bigger AFI fan than you or everybody. And they're just jerking their own. And I'm just like, stop. Like, y'all make me hate going to concerts. You make me hate this band. And I love this band. So, but that aside, like, I also hate it for the people, uh, the real fans. Again, like the LA Laker example. All the bandwagon people take away from, like, the real uh, hardcore day one fans. Like, my dudes, George and Ghost. You know what I'm saying? Or even people like me who actually appreciate these teams when they weren't winning like that's you tell real fucking fans by the way um and um and so that's why i hate that and like i again even though i was dead wrong get on the pick i called that with the figueredo having those habib vibes i mentioned surely proved that because when you got we don't have really like franchises because the ufc is the franchise so and MMA is so chaotic and crazy, which people tend to forget because like you pick someone to lose and they're like, <laughs> um, but like MMA is so crazy, it is hard uh, for guys like the Khabibs or the Figueredos of the world to like amass pretty respectable records, right? Boxing style records, right? Or in the rare case, undefeated. Um, in Khabib's case, right? Um, and it's great, and they should be celebrated. They are special. I'm not trying to tell you different. I never have been. Um, but it's like when they do come along, I think that's our form of bandwagon magnets. So you have all the people using the words like we, even though they never played like high school ball or like they never fought or they never probably even competed in a jiu-jitsu tournament. But they're like, oh, uh, we did it, we did it. Like, what do you mean, dude? You didn't even know anyone on his team. What is this we shit? Y'all didn't even trade at the same gym. Like, it's just, it, it just brings out the worst that I, I hate. And I know, again, a lot of you, I, I went back and forth with on banter, and it's all love, right? And I'm not backtracking that. Um, I'm not trying to be like uh, crying over spilt milk or anything here. It's nothing to do with a pick, folks. Again, 
it's for not just my contrarian, it's not just for the real fans, but I'll hit you with a third layer. The fighters and the people themselves, because now it's like all this hype and shit is just going to set them up for a fall. You better hope Figueredo's got um, some good blinders on him and he doesn't read too much of his own headlines. Because if we want more fun fights, um, we can't be getting people drunk off this hype. Like, I don't even know if Figueredo's going to get cleared medically for the raw dick that he has from all y'all tugging him off so much. Like, people are straight up, like, jerking. Like, he like he won, I was wrong. But, like, again, like, even, like, the Street Fight Boncho highlight has, like, a missed body kick, a failed leg lock. And then his guillotine, because, like, that's all he had. Like, he really just had the guillotine. But, like, I'm hearing people break it down and, like, okay, I was wrong and you didn't have to agree with me. And you can even hate on my breakdown before the fight. But at least I was tying it to things that were factually true. And even though my pick was wrong and Perez lost, he showed those things and was able to do those things even with, like, multiple cage graphs. You know what I'm saying? So, like... Um, for what it's worth, and I'm not even going to like focus on that or care. Like I, it's why you didn't see me mention it or tweet about it. I don't care if Figueredo would have won anyways and opportunism won the day. And I, I hope to see those more fun fights, but he's going to have to get past Moreno, which is going to be deceptive. I am no longer allowed to pick against Figueredo because of the Khabib comparison. And even though I admitted my bias, uh, for Benavidez, you know, again, because everybody's got to be like, I can't believe anybody picked better videos to beat him. Figueroa's bad. And they got to, like, pump themselves up along with it. Because, again, that's the thing to do. I'm sure there's psychology for it. I don't know. Go get some character, folks. It'll help that. <laughs> It'll help ease that. Um, but, like, I just hope Figueroa's character is in order and stuff. That he doesn't get, you know, drunk off the hype. And his dick's, like, not red from everybody trying to tug him off. Like... He's got that. He's he's getting to that Connor Khabib status where like you could, they could go to the edge of the stage and like motion toward their zipper and like the whole crowd's gonna you know all y'all from the media on my side of the things who mainly makes this narrative by the way so I apologize for projecting on you folks but really it's my side of the fence that tends to make these narratives and drive you guys blood crazy like piranhas with blood droplets in the water. But, like, I swear Figueredo could motion to a zipper and, like, half of y'all are going to rush the stage holding Dixie cups in the air trying to catch whatever he fucking drops. You know what I'm saying? Like, please, please pick me. <laughs> like, relax, yo. Like, let, let's let this guy get there. And, I'm not again, I'm not crying over spilled milk because, like, on the Fight Site podcast, we were split. Um, all analysts, people I respect, split 50-50. For Perez and Figueredo, but the one thing we all agreed on, because like I know, folks, it's crazy. There's actually more common ground than we like to think. But don't listen to me. Let's have more divisiveness, because let's have more my team versus your team. There's not enough of that in this world. Um, the one thing we was the common thread was like we want to see more Figueredo. We want to see an awesome fight. We want to see it play out. We don't want to see either guy ice the other guy quickly, and that's what happened. And we didn't get to learn anything. You know what I'm saying? And that's just from the analyst perspective. How about from the betting perspective, from more people I respect who also were on the right side of things that picked and played Figueredo. I believe my man Brad uh, Brad T. Tazchuk there, he was just like, yeah, I picked Figueredo, played Figueredo, fan of him, but like, I'm kind of disappointed. Like, I wanted to see more. And there's nothing wrong with that take. In fact, I would argue that is the smart take. Um, because, yeah, if you really are a fan of the guy, like all y'all fucking are so happy to flex about, and I get it, it's a shitty year. There's not much to be happy about. So I don't blame you for taking someone else's success that you didn't do anything for and riding on their coattails. Go ahead. But like, 
if we were truly going to call ourselves a fan of this sport and these fighters, like, don't you want to see more of them? And that was kind of the crappy thing for me. Uh, again, anyone wants to, you know, get mad at me for crying over spilt milk, like, okay, like, that's why my pick percentages are in the positive. Um, they're in the positive or number one in the contest that I take part in. My bets and picks probably blow most of y'all out of the water. Uh, and when I do predict stuff, like not just Tim Means as an underdog, where y'all are fucking stamping your feet on minus 300 favorites, but I'm actually not just picking underdogs like Tim Means over Mike Perry. I'm telling y'all how they're going to look on the scale before they even admit it to the media midweek. I'm telling y'all. And this isn't the first time I've done that, folks. Um, so if you all want to accuse me of being a sore loser, let's look at sore losers are usually sore winners as well. And I don't do that shit. I don't do big victory laps. And I'm not going to do it here, despite, um, you know, people, you know, sparking my pet peeve, which I know I shouldn't say because now people are going to do it more. But guess what, folks? You're just outing yourself. And for one, even, you know, again, I don't hate these guys like Khabib or Davison. I picked them way more than I pick against them. This isn't a hater thing at all. Y'all aren't going to have very many opportunities to do that, um, whether it's on those fighters or in general, because I, I, I tend to win more than I lose. So those of y'all using this podcast as a reference, I thank you. And I genuinely wish y'all continued success, good juju and winnings. Whereas those of y'all who want to flex – and look cool and on front runners and the big favorites. Okay. Have that. You can have your cookie too. Y'all are welcome to come party too. I just, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't judging you a little bit in your character. Uh, but yeah, man, we'll see. Uh, it's a deceptive fight. Uh, of course, I'm probably going to be picking Figueredo, especially after this. I'll be accused of being a hater if I don't. Um, I just hope we see more of the dude, man, because he is fucking entertaining. Um, so... And I am mean it when I'm a fan of this stuff and him. So I want to see more. Like every man, I want it more. Valentina Shevchenko defeated Jennifer Maya, defeated Yanis Precision. Not much to say about there. Tim Means defeated Mike Perry. I'm not going to victory lap that. Um, in fact, I feel bad for the people that Mike Perry let down because I, even though I disagreed and played and was right with my takes, I'm not going to fucking shit on people who are on the other side of it. Like... It was a very reasonable point of entry. And Tim Means, you know, has looked pretty much shot. Like, I didn't think I was going to be betting him again before this matchup, folks. So, I'm not going to fucking after the fact it. Um, but, yeah, man, uh, I am happy for Tim Means. I, I do feel bad for Perry. I don't feel bad for Perry. I feel bad for Perry betters because I had friends to bet on him. But, like, um, I'm fucking happy as shit for Tim Means, man. I mean, that's the real story. Like, how about guys? How about guys who fucking earned it, you know? Um, you know, uh, yeah, who go out there in the fights, technical, don't have the athletic gifts, don't have the luck from USADA, from life, from the prison system, judicial system, all the fucking bullshit. Um, you know, and he's out there just trying to fucking earn paychecks and support people that have, you know, in a really troubled community, like, Go fuck yourself if you don't feel good for Tim Means, man. And y'all are just like, <laughs> super athletic guy who looks like star wins. Like, okay, cool. That's great. That's great. Um, real stories, real people, real fighters, real dudes who pay their dues. That does it for me just a little bit more. Caitlin Chukagan defeated Cynthia Calvillo via unanimous decision. I was wrong on this one, too. Um, but again, like, I 
you know, I'm not trying to feather my nest here after the fact, but I did say the line was I was amongst those who did not like the line there, folks. I did not like the line. So hopefully uh, y'all didn't play too heavily uh, on it like I, I did and warned you not to do as well. Paul Craig defeated uh, Shogun Hua via TKO. Uh, yeah, depressing TKO. Um, again, like, I'm the kind of dude that hates being right, especially on fights like this. So no victory lap here because I, I felt bad for Hua. And I'm not going to give him shit for tapping his strikes. Uh, that's another conversation for another day, but I'm not one of those people who's going to freak out to it. It was just depressing. Because seeing Shogun stopped is depressing. Um, can't get too excited about being right on this pick. Brandon Moreno defeated Brandon Royville. First round TKO. Because Royville, even though it's kind of what goes around, comes around. And I love Royville. So it's not, and he's a good dude. And I like him. So no shade when I say that. Uh, but I don't mean it that way. I don't wish that upon anybody. But I just, I have that Royville LFA fight on the back of my head with that, what was that guy? More can someone Kenny something I don't know, dude popped his dislocated his elbow. In this case, it was Royville dislocating his shoulder, um, which sucks. The fight was looking good, and even though Moreno was winning, um, it was still a fun fight. So good on Moreno, he's getting the title shot. Um, but yeah, man, again, just because you like a guy and he cashes for you big, you gotta try to be as unbiased as possible. Um, so let's see what Moreno can do, even though I probably am not allowed to pick him. <laughs> Joaquin Buckley defeated Jordan Wright via second round KO. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. Antonina Shevchenko defeated Ariana Lipsky via second round TKO. She looked good. I did pick Shevchenko. I did think Lipsky was live, though, so I can't front on either front. Nicholas Dalby defeated Daniel Rodriguez. Um, appreciate that most of y'all, you know, scored it the way I scored it and thought Daniel Rodriguez won, but... I was not surprised to see the judges give it to him. It was one of those things that sucks because it's like, you know, if you are picking, uh, there's no such thing as safe chalk, of course, but if you are picking a parlay piece like I did to write about or I did to play, you you want to hope that even on their worst day, they can beat this guy on a best day from a stylistic standpoint. And you could argue that Rodriguez had his worst day and Dalby had his best day and Rodriguez still won. However... He fought too close, and Dalby was able to bullshit the judges. Like, you know, kind of like with that Musasi Lima. Not as close, competitive, or as argumentative of a case, but kind of the similar thing. A lot of the guys just bullshitting with volume, but the real, more harder, meaningful shots are really being landed by the other party. So that was just, um, yeah, that, that sucked. That hurt your boy for sure. Uh, Nicholas Dalby gets his first win over a Southpaw. No one mentioned that stat, but it didn't really matter, so I can't bump my chest there either, can I? All right, Alan Joban defeated Jaron Gooden via unanimous decision. Um, uh, yeah, good fight by Gooden, man. Uh, I picked Joban for a reason. Couldn't pick against him. Came through, was happy for him, and, you know, Gooden did lose, but it's like losing in the best-case scenario. Gotta imagine the matchmakers were impressed. Too bad they didn't get fight of the night. They certainly had an argument for it, so hopefully they both got bonused on the back end. Kyle Dawkins defeated Dustin Stoltzfus. Unanimous decision. Um, not much to say there. Sasha Palatnikov defeated Louis Koski. I was stupid and put like Koski in a parlay last minute. 
like for it was really dumb. Like contender series, and I know Perez was contender series, but he actually has a lot of experience and was amongst that first season. Uh, whereas Coast Gate, you know, the seasons have gotten less strong as they've gone on. You could easily argue, no disrespect. And of course, you know, I'm not high on guys who only have first round finishes because then when they get out, things get sketchy, right? And sure enough, that was a dumb line. So uh, good on Sasha though, man. Um, and yeah, that was it. Sorry, hopefully I wasn't too salty <laughs> on that first fight. I just again, it's nothing against Figueredo or being wrong. It's just I don't like the bandwagony, and it's just it's just so odd to me. Like that is, like that's what you're gonna like stand about. Like, what about all the picks I got right? Or what about all the other picks I got wrong? Like, nah, nah. I don't know. It's just weird. Okay, we're going to move on to this card, folks. What y'all came for? How long did I ramble your asses off for? 28 minutes. I'm sorry. That was the longest take yet. Shit. All right, 28. UFC and ESPN 18 is headlined by Curtis Blades, minus 360. Derek Lewis, plus 315. Let's make this breakdowns fast. Dude, like, this is another weird one. Again, people, uh, I'm probably going to get shit for this. Like, how could you pick against Curtis Blades when I'm, like, more of a wrestling stand than most? And, uh, you know, I'm not afraid to, to, to disagree with my man Dan Levy. Uh, but uh, I was listening back, and I'm like, oh, I didn't defend uh, Blades too much. I know, you know, and I don't blame Dan. A lot of people don't like the wrestling style that he has. I love it because I'm a weird nerd. So, like, again, that's why I'm not, like, offended uh, that anybody would disagree with me. Not that I'm, again, wired that way. In fact, I just get pissed when people can't just let things fucking lie and be. We have to argue about everything. Um, but like, yeah, uh, I actually love Curtis Blades. I barely pick against him. And Derek Lewis, I don't dislike him, but like, I almost never pick Derek Lewis. Like, I picked him and called the last fight to a T, but that's, again, I'm not, I can't really victory lap that. He was a big favorite. And I think most people call it the dynamic of this fight. However, this time around, people are giving the comeback dynamic a lot less credit. Which is strange because even though Olenek is not as good of a fighter, not as much of a ceiling, yada yada, to Curtis Blades, even Olenek at his advanced age, you could argue, has a faster finishing rate than Curtis Blades, right? First of all, Curtis Blades ignores submissions, whereas Olenek does it. So he already kind of cuts his own arm off as far as he only allows him one way to finish. Now, Blades is big, powerful, amazing wrestling and ground and pound, so... It's not a bad approach, right? It's it's fairly high percentage. That being said, yeah, he is completely ignoring one thing, which not only goes for my weird, almost seemingly superfluous Alexi Olenek comparison, but more specifically, actually plays to this matchup. So, in other words, Curtis Blades not only has to out-wrestle guys, check, usually not a problem, but he's got to get him out of there by ground and pound, unless it's like a wash to JDS, who's expecting wrestling and gets clipped by a random shot, which, like, Blades was actually not doing that great in that fight when you look at it before then, right? Um, and that's the most closest thing we've seen to, like, Blades trying to fight against type. Otherwise, he seems hardwired, and this is going all the way back to his collegiate tape study, which I have been citing since he stepped onto the scene, folks, is that this guy's hardwired to be aggressive, to get in on hips and go. And that's what worries me, is that we got to see it kind of play out against a more durable, savvy guy who also uses tripod-style get-ups 
by the way, and Alexander Volkov, who, by the way, of course, lost to Derek Lewis, who he was facing. Not trying to chest bump on the MMA math, but there's just plenty obvious examples as to why this fight could be closer than the odds indicate, which you should always assume that anyways, whether it's a proven product or unproven product, when you see north of two to one spreads in heavyweight MMA, it's not that crazy, folks. That being said, I will admit, even for self-admitted uh, contrarian Dan Tom, I do feel a bit crazy for picking Derek Lewis in this spot. It's like, this is the one spot Dan Tom wrestling stand, never picked Derek Lewis guy. Like, you're going to pick Derek Lewis against the wrestler? I get it, folks. It's against character. It seems crazy. And I don't blame people for saying this is the perfect matchup for Curtis Blades, but you can also argue that it's the perfect matchup for Derek Lewis. And the fact that, again, back to the previous cited example, when we do see that play out, where when Blades can't get a guy out of there via TKO, he's forced to wrestle. Uh, and we saw it in the same cage in the Apex earlier in this pandemic era in this same very year. Despite training at how many X amount of camps at elevation, things got sketchy in rounds four and five. That perhaps a more heavier-handed fighter, as good as Volkov is, he's not a knockout puncher. Um, as you know, if he does face a knockout puncher, and although you know, I've heard people say, "Well, who does Lewis knock dead? He's got to have him on the ground." And how are you going to out wrestle Curtis Blades? You know, even though Lewis obviously jokingly says he's going to do so, I get how you come up with that theory on paper. But suffice to say. Blades isn't exactly a knockout guy either. Again, not just with the washed Junior Dos Santos on the feet, but like on the ground, how many guys has he really deadened? Yeah, I too have the Alistair Overeem face into a fire hydrant burn into my brain. But like who else has he really finished on the ground? Uh, what's his name who was a light heavyweight? His knee blew out. Shamil Abdurahimov? Like that guy self-destructs as soon as his back gets on the mat. We saw that all the way in the beginning of his UFC career against guys like Tim Johnson. Or how about guys like who Curtis Blades is facing this weekend? Derek Lewis did the same thing. Like, I'm not trying to downgrade great Blades' ground and pound. I can point to more technical detail than most of y'all. Don't even start there, okay? I'm just saying that if we want to accuse one guy of being overinflated, you could just as easily lobby and play that perspective game on the other side. I would argue that Derek Lewis's ground and pound and knockout power from the ground and pound position is more devastating than Blades. However, I do also see the obvious in that it's going to be hard to get there. He's going to have to rock Blades first, which can be done. We've seen that done from Mark Hunt in defeat or, or in victory or in defeat against both times against Francis Ngannou, who... Again, I'm not trying to chest bump MMA math, but who Derek Lewis beat, folks. Again, I know it's a boring fight. I know MMA math doesn't apply. But to not pretend that Derek Lewis can survive the storm and get up and do Derek Lewis things, how he wins all of his fights, would be disingenuous for heavyweight MMA. I know I've been burned plenty of times. And you know what, folks? Maybe that's what it is here. I'm afraid to get burned because I always pick against Derek Lewis, and he always does comeback shit. Maybe that's what this is here. I'll admit that. I'm not telling you to jump off a cliff. But I what I am saying is that he's not knocking out Derek Lewis standing. Most people don't. You can't do that. you got to you know do it on the ground, a cumulative kind of a thing. Um, that Unless he does do that TKO for stoppage on the ground, then it's going to get sketchy because he's not going to go for submissions. 
and Derek Lewis is going to make him work with those get-ups. So I'm going to go and pick Derek Lewis by fourth-round KO. I don't blame anybody who followed me off that cliff. I'll probably sprinkle a little on Lewis just because the line's stupid, but, like, am I confident in this pick? No, folks. Am I telling you, like, you're wrong for picking Blades? No. Am I telling the odds makers? Are- no. I'm just, God forbid, picking an underdog to win at heavyweight. Is that really so crazy? Kill, leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> Stop giving me shit for my contrarian main event picks here. That's the point of this podcast. I'm sorry. This is not a fun episode. I suck. Let's move on to the co-main event now. Uh, Anthony Smith minus 135 now, despite opening at minus 160, which I thought was even kind of low against Devin Brownback Clark at plus 115. Sorry for your ears. Come on, Dev. Come on, Dev. Come on, Dev. Yeah. Hey. Uh, David Clark, of course, going to be in Devin Clark's corner. Uh, very excited for that. You know, this podcast is a big fan of David Clark. And Come on, Brown Bear. <laughs> starts losing when his son starts self-destructing. Or in the last fight, it was just so great, right? You go to, like, round one or two, and he's just like, he's right. <laughs> Devin Clark's trying to find a way out. He's shelling up against the cage, and you just hear his dad go, Fight! God damn it! Fight! <laughs> you gotta fight! God damn it! It's so great. I love it. <laughs> and then he's in the corner, like yelling at him. And I love it because production, like, accidentally clicks over to the audio of the booth. And you straight up hear fucking, like, Rogan, Anik, and DC. You hear them all, like, just laughing as hard as we all are at, at, at Devin Clark's dad. And then when they come back officially, you know, John Anik is just so great. He gives his little subtle nods and he's got to clean up because he's. He's a pro and he's great, right? And he's just like, yes, a uh, little bit of a uh, little behind the scenes entertainment here from David Clark. <laughs> and Rogan's all trying to play it off, like he's uh, try- like was totally not just making fun of him. Going, yeah, it was very, uh, very interesting there. <laughs> um, so it was kind of worrisome though. I was listening to to the Aaron Bronstetter TSN MMA show. Similar to Glover Teixeira, apparently he's familiar with Devin Clark being from that Midwest scene and, you know, has shared conversations with his dad. Anthony Smith is a fan of his dad. and Anthony Smith, uh, he looks like a menacing guy, but, you know, I bet you he's a nicer guy than he looks. He seems like it. By the way, shout out Anthony Smith, first person, first professional fighter to listen and shout, at least shout the, uh, the PYM podcast on Twitter. Um, so I always got a soft spot for him. Uh, I like what I'm hearing. Um, unless he's completely washed, that's the only way he loses this fight. I know Devin Clark can do a control performance, but, like, dude, he was barely able to do it against fucking a middleweight in Dequan Townsend on short notice who can't wrestle. And Dequan was defending the majority of shots that he did, he did defend were in rounds two and three. I mean, you go back and watch that fight. Like, yeah, Clark's on a two-fight winning streak, and he made it through two decisions in a row without spontaneously combusting on himself. But, like, he barely made it through those fights. You know what I'm saying? And neither of those guys have aged well. Even Menafield. You know I'm a fan of Menafield. Oh, Jesus. Menafield versus Thick Willie. You guys see that? Oh, my goodness. Jesus. Somebody somebody get a towel under Lance Fischel. Stat. Uh, that's just some thick, thick thickness there. Oh my! All right, Dan, stay on target. But yeah, man. Like speaking of thickness and Team Teddy Bear, Brown Bear, come on, dude. Uh, you know, I, I, 
I don't I don't see I don't know. It's I know Anthony Smith even in his prime and in his best middleweight run and his recent best light heavyweight run, he's not like a process driven guy you can count on. And Dan Tom is more about process guys. But like he's the opportunist and Clark's got the process and pathway to walk, but I don't think he could do it without combusting. And I thought minus one sixty was playable and questionable. But now you're gonna trend down minus one thirty five, like I I have to play it at this point. Like out of principle. So I put one point five on minus one thirty five on Anthony Smith here. Um, that's all I gotta say. I wrote about that fight too in the line movement MMA betting sheet, which is out meow, right meow. Next fight, Josh Breeze in minus two ten. Who looks like uh the original uh web guy, Mike Stith. Looks like a mix between him and Shoeface. Uh minus two ten against Parker Porter. John Jones, alum fighter, plus one seventy five. Uh I'm gonna go with Josh Parisen, and there's not much to say about that fight. Play at your own risk. Heavyweight MMA folks. Next fight, Miguel Baeza, minus one fifty. Takashi Sato plus one thirty. Um, I was picking Baeza, but like after watching more tape and talking to my man Dan there in a live movement MMA betting show, like if Baeza wins, he's gonna look like he should have been a minus three hundred. And I've been a defender of Sato. You know I love my Japanese fighters. You know I love Southpaws. Um, but the judoka man, he's got like some first layer takedown defense and can score a point with a takedown, but he's not gonna want to do here. But his mat wrestling and jujitsu is super suspect, man. And he doesn't have enough volume, so unless he, like, knocks out Baeza, which I don't see happening, I feel like it's knockout or bust. He's not going to decision or submit him. Um, he doesn't have the savvier style for the vet lesson to pull up other paths or inclusive paths of what I just said. So minus 150 at that much of an entry point? Uh, I'm going to play it straight up, and I actually tagged Baeza with somebody in a small little two-leg tasty parlay. So follow me at your own risk. No disrespect to Sato, who's fighting out his contract, so you know he's coming to fight, but that doesn't mean anything. I'm going to take Baeza here, Carmel Thunder. I like his style. He's fought and beat Southpaws before. Next fight, Spike Carlisle at minus 175 against Bill Algeo, plus 155. This line hasn't moved much, and I'm surprised the odds makers and public uh, odds makers by setting the line and in public by refuting using the fatum. But as we all know, folks, we all love dudes with muscles and are athletic opportunists and finishers. Like that's who gets all the credit, not the guys who are like technical and shit. And don't get me wrong. Al Gio does a lot that's actually technically wrong, but he does a lot that's technically right. That, that perhaps is getting missed here. And he is not the same guy or as a guy I'm not as confident in or a guy as technical as Billy Q, Billy Quarantine, or Billy Quarantine. You know, Billy Quarantine. Trying to, trying to be a guy named Billy Quarantine during the pandemic. Get that shit out of here. Fucking Spike. Anti-Semitic bullshit. Um, yeah, Billy Quarantine put him in his place. Uh, that fight went exactly the way I thought. And they're like... Matchmakers have a cruel sense of humor because they're like giving him as close to that matchup as they can. Now, Bill Algeo is not as much of a hallmark comeback fighter. He doesn't have the same boxing style or savvy, different fighters, but he is super tall at six foot. He's got a, a big uh, reach of a decent reach advantage as well. Carlisle's actually got long arms at 70 inches for a 5'7 guy, but you know, Algeo, 73.5 inch reach with six feet. You know, five inches on him in height, pretty much. 
Um, there was a lot more kicks to accentuate that height than Billy Quarantine, which I think is going to be good. And it's got good wrestling and submission grappling. Carlisle's not going to submit this guy unless he really rocks him first. But unlike Billy Quarantine, who has been, been rocked and stopped in fights, um, Algeo's been stopped as a grand total of zero times and seems more durable than Quarantine, uh, more bigger and stronger than Quarantine. And I would argue wrestles better, although Billy Quarantine may be the slightly better submission and scrambling Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. That's right, they both hold that rank as opposed to Carlisle's brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So I'm going to go with Algeo in a fight that's going to be similar. He's going to have to survive a storm, but if he does, he should be able to take over. Um, I don't like first-round fighters. Uh, that's the opportunist that I'll fade. Um, and I'll do so again here, especially if you're going to give me dog money. Y'all are going to fucking put your heels down again. These are my favorite. Like, I, it cheers me, you know. Uh, obviously, I hate it, you know, the the the, 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 the Tiago Moises, Bobby Greens, Alex Perez, Figueredo's in the sense of, like, super technical dudes and then like try to do some cool technical stuff and be all around fighters, generalists, things I love that don't get no credit, etc. And then athleticism win, smash one moment. And then just like, uh fuck. So it's the same thing here. Um I'm going to get I'm going with the opportunist like I did with AJ McKee last week in Bellator or this week. I'm not a hater folks. Alright? I don't just go where the wind's blowing either. But I'm not going to lie, I'm falling into my little bit of a bias here. But nonetheless, it's a bias with some big big dog bucks for me, at least where it shouldn't be at 155. So, one unit on Bill Algeo. You don't have to follow me off the cliff, but that's where my money's at. Better or worth it, you're getting the honest action here. <coughs> All right. And Gina Mazzani, minus 165. Rachel Ostovich, plus 145. I'm surprised to see this line not flipping. Um, people are low on Mazzani and high on Ostovich for, for reasons that aren't exactly fair. <laughs> but I think, you know, people are seeing Mazzani focus. You know, she went over to Gloria MMA Fitness, new weight class. She was already sizable at Bantamweight, so if she can make this weight, she's going to be a force. Whereas Ostovich, I know she's favorite eye candy for everybody. She looks too much like a cousin and relative, related to me for me to... Uh, have any type of excitement there. I'm sorry, folks. I don't blame you. I get it. It's just not my thing. Um, and apparently people aren't being swayed by their uh, eyes, let's just say. So, yeah, but that also worries me, even though you guys know I'm friends with Gina Mazzani. Uh, you know, share the extreme couture bias there. Share friends, I should say. So I'm going to be rooting for her to do well. That being said, I do get worried to see money coming in on her as a favorite, right? So this is easy avoid list for me, even though I didn't write it. Let's write that on the avoid list. Mazani Ostrovich. Okay. Um, also on the avoid list, uh, Ashley Evan Smith minus 140. Norma Dumont, I didn't tape this fight. Dumont coming down, I think. There to 135. Let's see how her uh, circular strikes go against... Um, Ashley Evan Smith, who can throw her punches a bit straighter. I'll definitely pick Smith here, but I'm not playing this bad boy. Good luck to you if you see an angle here. This is a strange one kind of to me. Martin Day, minus 160. Anderson Dos Santos, plus 140. You guys know I love my Hawaiian fighters. You guys know I love my Taekwondo dudes. I'll be rooting for Martin Day for sure. But I was surprised to see him as the favorite. Um, 
it's not just against a more experienced guy and like what looks like a striker versus grappler against Anderson Dos Santos, Brazilian name generator, right? Um, but like Martin Day could have some potential chin problems, and it's it's weird, man. Dude's fought at flyweight, but all you know, bantamweight's banger weight. That's where he's never been stopped at flyweight. He's been stopped at bantamweight. So I don't know what the deal is with Day. Maybe he's due for featherweight, where he won his original kickboxing accolades, right? Um, I'm gonna pick Dos Santos here, and I may sprinkle on him. I don't want to. I just I. Dos Santos gets rocked, but he, he, he Dos Santos will fight for your money. You know what I'm saying? Um, and he may get rocked, but I think we could argue he's got a better chin than Martin Day. Martin Day, don't let the Taekwondo and the kicks fool you. He's got actually a really good left hook that I see being alive here, especially throwing as a check. But he's open to getting hit too. And Dos Santos swings, man. He keeps working. Um, Martin Day's got deceptive takedown defense like that Max Holloway style, his training partner there. Um, you know, more better than you would think it is. So he's doing the right things. That being said, Dos Santos can still get some good takedowns, man. He's still got some decent level changing against the fence. He's going to be pushing the pressure hard for three rounds. He's more experienced, more ways to win. And you're going to put a plus number like that on there? I don't blame anybody for taking a stab. I haven't yet. I'm probably going to sprinkle, even though my heart really wants Day to pull this out. Um, but the pick will be Anderson Dos Santos. So, Sumaderji minus 320, Malcolm Gordon and plus 260, giving no respect to Bazooka Joe's boy, Malcolm Gordon, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt. Much better grappler than Sumaderji on paper. Sumaderji looks more opportunistic, got some hook kicks and some flash. Doesn't have a great sample size, so I'm surprised to see him open as a big favorite and then get juiced up some more. However, Sue is working with some people I know. When you look on, when I go look on his socials, those people are good grapplers out here. The Extreme Couture, shout out to Bryce Harley and company. So uh, I think he's going to be prepared. Um, I'll go ahead and pick Sue here, but I feel like the value is easily on Malcolm Gordon, who my heart's going to be rooting for him, and Bazooka Joe in the corner, TSN MMA screw crew. But there's you know there's bias on both sides, so. I am plagued. I'm going to put that on my avoid list. Gordon Sumaderji. There we go. Do what you will. Uh, next fight, Luke Sanders. Cool hand Luke, minus 155. Nate Maness, plus 135. This is going to be a dirty southern brawl here. Uh, I didn't do tape on this one, so I'll go ahead and pick Luke Sanders. Um, and we'll leave it at that. Again, I didn't do tape. Next fight, Kai, last, last but not leastly, Kai Kamaka. The third. I mean, you want to talk about uh, name generators like Kamaka is Kai Kamaka is such a Hawaiian name generator name. Like, oh my god, every Kamaka that I know, I feel like gets in his scraps. I don't know if that's just like a scrappy fucking name, but Kai Kamaka minus two ninety came down a little bit. Jonathan Pierce plus two forty five. Not sure why the fuck Pierce was favored against Joe Lozon last time out. Um, that contender series stuff came down to a halt. I like Kai Kamaka. He's shown he can step up on short notice because he stays ready. Um, and he's been staying ready again, folks. That's why he was able to go three rounds against Tony Kelly. Tony Kelly, who's going to be able to offer more, as much in volume as Jonathan Pierce, not as much as power as Jonathan Pierce. Kai Kamaka, he shells, he dips, he's shorter. He's going to have to watch out for Jonathan Pierce's money shot uppercut. But unless that uppercut can crack that hard Hawaiian chin, which I don't think it can, I think this is Kamaka's fight all day long. He's a better clincher, clinch fighter, clinch striker, clinch wrestler, better wrestler. He's going to be able to stay out of the submissions. Again, we didn't see Tony Kelly get any of those close catches in that fight for a reason. 
And on the feet, Kai Kamaka's left hook is going to have Jonathan Pierce's name written all the fuck over it. Watch out for that left hook, folks. Kai Kamaka between trading back home in Hawaii with uh, Ray Cooper III or staying ready on the pads with the striking I hear with Sugar Ray Sefo at Extreme Couture. This guy looks in shape. He looks ready. Um, he is the parlay piece I included on my line movement MMA betting sheet. Of course, Algeo was the live dog. And I said you can pair this is minus 300, now minus 290. So you'll actually probably get more to the plus 125 range. But I got it for plus 122 by combining Kamaka and Baeza, two of the younger prospects that I think uh, can deserve that name on this card. I paired them together for plus 122 at half a unit. I think Kamaka rolls here, whether it's by decision or a late attritive finish by just busting up that jaw on Pierce. Um, so that is my pick. How did I do on time? Hopefully I didn't. Okay, under an hour, not too bad. Hopefully that makes up for, you know, my uh, hateful tangent on bandwagoners. <laughs> Sorry if that offended you. I apologize to absolutely nobody. Uh, picking Derek Lewis, God knows fucking why. Over Curtis Blades, it's stupid. Don't follow me off that cliff. Taking Anthony Smith over Devin Clark. Come on, Devin. Devin, baby. Fuck up, Devin. Uh, you can follow me off that cliff if you want. <laughs> Taking Josh Parisian over Paco Porter. Taking Miguel Baeza, Carmel Thunder. Yeah. Over Takashi Sato. Taking Bill Algio over Spike Carlyle. Taking Gina Mazzani over Rachel Ostovich. Shout out to my man Ben over there. This is top five, uh, top five thick fighter uh, alum is fighting this week. Taking Ashley Evan Smith over Norma Dumont. Taking Henderson De Santos over Martin Day, although my heart will be with Hawaii. Taking Sumaderji over Malcolm Gordon. Split on that one. Taking Luke Sanders over Nate Manis. Taking Kai Kamaka over Jonathan Pierce. Parlay Kamaka and Baeza plus 122 for half a unit. Took Baeza as well straight up because the entry point is low enough at minus 150 for 1.5 units. Chuck Algio is my live dog, one unit. Didn't play Anderson Dos Santos, but he's probably the next dog on that list, FYI. And lastly, but not leastly in the straight place, I felt like I was forced to take Smith at minus 135 for a unit and a half. I didn't cover much props. I apologize, folks, because I didn't play any. And on my avoid list, of course, uh, the ladies fight Smith and Dumont. Uh, Ostovich uh, versus Mazzani. And I didn't tape those, nor did I tape um, the scribble-scrabble that is, uh, you know, uh, Sumaderji, Malcolm Gordon, uh, or really Luke Sanders from Manus, if you want to include that on this avoid. Thank you guys again for sitting through uh, my nonsense. I know I'm not the easiest to listen to. I just hope that uh, anything I say can help you cash and make some money. That genuinely does make me feel a bit better when you guys, you know, you guys want to go in and, and fucking pump your chest about betting slips and making some money and putting your money where your mouth is. I will support that every day of the week, even if it's against my picks. Uh, most of y'all, uh, all of y'all that ever messaged me know that. Uh, I'm not salty when it comes to that. I genuinely do love it. It makes me happy if I can help any of you guys cash or any of that and be a useful reference. So genuinely, folks, I wish you nothing but luck this weekend on your picks and plays. I wish you a good holiday and a good weekend. I know it hasn't been easy. Uh, I've been a bit extra nuts myself, um, as we all kind of are. So keep that in mind, folks. 
and let's try to extend olive branches and love. You know what I'm saying? Um, instead of the normal bullshit, because even if it's well-meaning, the world's got a bit too much of it right now. My heart's with you. My DMs are open. Good luck on your picks and plays. And always protect your next.